going to talk about uh, what students should be learning in grade school versus Correct. the uh, do hockey that, that we are taught. We, were, <laughs> we Not are. We were taught. They are taught. Right. The straight do hockey. And I, I'm curious. I'm That's curious sure, to hear about your experience, though, because I don't know if you got more or less or maybe the same amount of do hockey at a private school Chad. and international schools versus our school. Or public schools, I say our public schools. Well, that's a great question. I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. Um, but um, that's a good question. We're gonna talk we'll about. Talk, it. We'll just save it because we're, we're gonna talk about it for sure. I'm, I already, I didn't even think about that, and you already got me. What? I, let me write that down so we don't forget. I like that though. You know, get Jared's wheels turning before <laughs> we even really start the episode. That's how you know it's gonna be a banger of a for podcast, sure, Jared. For just sure. Saying. I took a note. We won't forget. Hello and welcome to the Untranslatable Podcast. We are here today to talk about what kids should be learning in schools. Thankfully, I'm not working at a uh, at a high school anymore, so I can't uh, get fired for my opinions for today's episode. So we're excited to talk about some of the uh, different skills, subjects, and things that kids really should be learning in school. And I think uh, we bring some interesting perspective here because I come from an educational and academic background, and Jared comes from a more of a corporate America type of background. So you know, we have a lot to discuss today in terms of what what would have been useful to know when we were in school, uh, when we were younger, and what we should have learned instead of learning about how uh, the mitochondria is the uh, powerhouse of the cell and what a what an acute triangle might be, or uh, um, um, Pythagorean theorem or or whatever that is. So uh, so yeah, so we're gonna get into it today and talk about what kids should be learning in schools. Maybe some uh, some admins in schools will tune into this episode and take our uh, words to heart. I doubt it, but hey, one can hope and one can dream. So uh, yeah, we're excited to bring this episode your way today so without further ado i'm joined by my co-host my good buddy jared what's going on jared sub dude i can't remember if it's cytoplast or what's the what's cytoplasm the, cytoplasm is that what turns the, the leaves green cytoplasm or chloroplast um, chloroplast or cytoplasm one of those turns i the think it's the chloro, chloroplast or chloro <laughs> yeah i'm not sure i will tell we, you straight up though jared i failed that section of biology <laughs> i had like a biology teacher that was like brand new to our school and she was just out of college and the oh. weird thing jared about teachers who are just out of college it seems like they go one of two ways they're either super chill and they're like they can relate really well with the kids, or they're super strict, mm. and uh, and like everything needs to be absolutely perfect. And take Trying a guess which something. kind of teacher I had. Oh, I yeah, the the stickler. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah, I I was pretty good at that kind of stuff. I was good at geography. I was good at um. I was good at memorization. I was good at okay. memorizing, then dumping stuff immediately. I'm often bringing <laughs> stuff up to my sister, being like, "Hey, do you remember this?" She's like, "No." Um, and I'm like, "All right, cool." Cool, good conversation. Anyway, everyone has had the conversation uh, at some point about what um, all the stuff they learned from grade school that they don't apply, or like what yep. do you actually use from grade? What do you actually use in your current day from grade school? Everyone has had that conversation for sure. One of my favorite things too, Jared, is how math teachers when we were younger were like, "It's not like you're going to have a calculator in your pocket, and it's like you're here with <laughs> smartphones." Yeah, you're right. It's in my watch. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I actually, I feel like I remember asking, like, uh, I was in pre-calc. I feel like I remember asking, how can you apply this? And, like, my, my, the, my teacher, who was, like, a certified genius, he was in Mensa, he gave some answer where I'm like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that to me, Jared, means that it's not super applicable then. Um, you mentioned, by the way, getting fired. I thought that was very apropos because there's been something that's been uh, getting fired for what you might teach in grade school, let me clarify. Mm-hmm. There's been a, something oh, circulating yep. a lot these days in the air about... Um, Talking about CRT? Yes. And some parents... White. Parents being very afraid of CRT, critical race theory, being taught in grade school. I imagine you read some of the educational trades. Some of, mm-hmm. you read some educational publications. Oh yeah. Do, can, do you know anything about this? Could you give me, let me like a quick little explainer? I have some articles, but if you know, I would. I mean, and I'm no expert on this by any means, Jared. But really, it seems it seems like number one. Critical race theory has become this buzzword, especially for a lot of conservative folks. Yeah. And I don't think they really understand what critical race theory means. Right. And therefore, like most people who are ignorant about something, generally ignorance breeds fear, right? Sure. And so so I, I remember reading this article. I think I forget now if it was like Inside Higher Ed or Chronicle Vitae. There's all these different, you know, education publications yeah. I read Never heard of any once of in a while. Okay. Um, <laughs> right. Well, th- that doesn't surprise me. But but anyways, and, and one of the one of the articles was kind of funny because it had like a really snarky tone. And, and they had talked about how a parent had it was like a um, not a, not a parent teacher conference and like one on one like parent and teacher, but like a like parents and all the like teachers a PTA meeting. Thank you. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, we're like and, a group uh, of teachers. Uh, Parent-teacher association get, meeting, I yeah. think, is what that Where parents for, yeah. are allowed to show up at the gym and ask questions to the teachers right. and, and uh, admin and whatnot. Exactly. Because at a lot of schools, the gym serves as the auditorium as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, so... Shitty fold-out and, chairs. Right? Uh, or, or those bleachers that oh, fold in and worse. out. <laughs> right? Those are so uncomfortable. Um, but anyway, so... And a, a parent had asked the, uh, one of the teachers, like, are you teaching our kids critical race theory? And then the teacher asked the parent, they're like, well, what do you mean by critical race yeah, theory? what do you think And of is? course... <laughs> right. And of course, they couldn't even explain it. Yeah. Um, so let's explain, by the way. So this idea... Critical race theory... Is essentially, it's not even a, a class, really. It's just the idea of like framing history through, um, like, through, like, oh, Jesus Christ, Woo! sorry. <laughs> Duh, a twofer for today. I, my, I got loose, loose hands over here. I'm just playing with my phone and I'm not even aware that the theme song is still up. Anyway, the critical race theory, and this is, oh, geez, I, sh- I, I wish I would read this instead of just going off of my own. Here, let me, let me, let me do it for you. So, critical okay. race, uh, okay, um, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I should have said that before it. Um, oh, darn it. Come so, on. critical race theory is, um, is an academic concept that is more than 40 years old. The core Mm -hmm. idea is that race is a social construct and that racism is not merely the product of individual bias or prejudice, but also something embedded in legal systems and policies. The basic tenets of critical race theory or or CRT emerged out of a framework for legal analysis in the late 1970s and early 1980s created by legal scholars Derek Bell, Kimberly Crenshaw, and Richard Delgado, among others. A good example is when in the 1930s, a government official 
uh, government officials literally drew lines around areas deemed poor financial risks, often explicitly due to the racial composition of inhabitants. Banks subsequently refused to offer mortgages to black people in those areas. So it's more just, um, yeah. So I, I don't, you know, where my confusion is with this whole thing is, um, I don't even know where this whole idea came in that critical race theory was being taught in. Um, in schools because we're not even really teaching uh, like an accurate portrayal of history generally speaking in school right so i don't know why all of a sudden like the fear of critical race theory being taught in school was and it's because it, uh, and it's more and it's not even that critical race theory would be taught it's that it's more the idea of teaching history realistically and and, and not like sugarcoating it talking about how the pilgrims had a you know came over and had a lovely dinner or that like <laughs> with the native americans or like right. yeah there were slaves but you know it was really better that you know they taught them they treat them nice for the most part <laughs> you know or yeah. it's like oh and, and it's like and now they're done so the, you know that has nothing to do with you know we're done with that now you know it's like well we're not really done with it you know so i, right. I don't really even understand where the fear came in of, of uh, initially uh, that uh, that that was a thing because I also th- thought that that would be more like something you would like teach in like like college anyway I don't know right well so he- here's the other funny thing about critical race theory is that the- a lot of the folks who are very against critical race theory I think number one they don't know what it is I have also read some articles where people think that it's very like Marxist neo liberal like thinking well they um, and but, a lot of talk about it being uh, th- 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 those are just a whole bunch of like i hate liberal buzzwords that she said sure. there of, of uh, course of course and also see, the th- they, they, it was there, there's also a fear that is racially de- divisive and it's teaching white kids to uh or excuse me it's teaching white kids to be guilty and to uh of um you know and, and like and like you know teaching that white people are bad essentially and really to right. me it's like yeah i feel like you parents are are what is it when when uh oh are projecting a little bit you know <laughs> yeah like yeah this feels sure. like your own little fears about about if they actually know the truth of history rather than like their fears or, or fears for well, your safety or whatever or their safety here's the other thing jared i just don't understand why it is such a controversial or hot take that racism is socially constructed i right. mean think about it Right, like I, but these people I believe li- racism doesn't exist. You know, I, a lot of these people exactly. believe that That's we're the issue. past exactly. racism. Right. Uh, w- yeah, which is w- w- and, and that if we comes are, from though, a point of privilege, by the way. To of course, even be able to say that. Of course, it's a very it's a point of privilege. But like, if we even if we were though, what would be the problem with teaching it? Right. Be, I, yeah, I, like, I, like, even if we were past it, like, you, no one say because teaching it doesn't say it, they're not like. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I there's I, there, race racism, being called racist has got to be one of the top <laughs> top five white fears out there. Probably like being perceived yeah. as racist has got to be like such a big fear wow. to the point where they like just live in denial of our history. I would actually disagree with you, Jared. I think the people who have the biggest fear of being called racist are white liberals. I think conservatives. If you call no. them racist, they I might. I agree with you. I agree with you, but I don't think I don't think for the mo- I don't think the majority of conservatives are just like proudly stating that they're racist. A that's lot of conservatives true. might that's be true. like, "Listen, I'm not racist," but <laughs> you know, oh god, that's probably what you're going to hear ninety nine percent of the time. True, and then they true. you know proceed to say some racist shit. I don't I don't think I think most I, I think most people don't consider themselves to be racist. 
even though a, a large portion of the society is. I think there's a small portion of society that's just like i'm fucking racist and i hate these people uh i told you about that student i had in the czech republic right uh, no oh man okay oh, God. so where i lived in the czech republic <laughs> there is a there's a pretty large population of romani people um the mm. slur for those people would be gypsy for a lot of the people who don't know what romani is it would be you know a, a gypsy is what you know people would the call more commonly them. known but offensive term right. Right. Um, and I had a student just straight up one day uh, in class. We, well, I don't even remember what we were talking. It might have even been the Thanksgiving um, uh, lesson I did. And I talked about how it's not all just the pilgrims and Native Americans were all buddies and everything was happy. And I, I had a student tell me one time he was like, he was like, oh, yeah, I'm racist. And it was just like full stop. And that was it. And he was like, he was like oh, yeah, I hate, you know, I hate these people. Um, I mean, that and. Yeah, to me it that kind of blew my mind. <laughs> to me, I feel that that's bold. I mean, that's bold, to, yep. especially for a yep. high schooler. But I, t- yep. to me, I feel like I, I personally feel like I could be wrong. More people, a, a, there's a lot of people out there that a lot are that are racist. A lot, a large mm-hmm. yeah. portion of society, I would say, uh, to some extent. But I would say a large majority don't perceive themselves to be racist even though they might recognize some biases that they have which which is where that i'm not racist but comes in that's right. just bold right there for this young right. kid to uh i was actually watching i like to watch um uh, uh old school um top gear from time to time it's on amazon prime and um they have a, a special where they take um some like uh grand touring supercars a dbs um Ferrari, California. Guy, this doesn't matter. Guy, that part doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't right. know why I'm okay. doing this. But anyway, uh, they they take them to uh, Albania and I think Romania as well, maybe. But anyway, they go to like some super tiny villages, and there are a lot of like locals running around their cars, and obviously they have you know super expensive cars, and they're looking at their cars and like. Uh, and and uh, Jeremy Clarkson's just yelling like, "Oh my gosh, you know, I'm surrounded by gypsies. I'm we're being attacked by gypsies. They're trying to rob us, you know." Just making these jokes. It was like from like 2000, like I don't know, eight, nine, ten, something canceled like that. today. Well, I mean, Jeremy Clarkson got canceled eventually. It was a matter of time, <laughs> only a matter of time. <laughs> for, uh, to be fair, he gets canceled uh, on a on a, a quarterly basis still. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just find this whole. By the way, just to be clear, uh, CRT since uh, like mid May or so, uh, mid May or so, legislation has been put into place to outlaw CRT in schools in Idaho, Iowa, Oklahoma, and Tennessee, uh, and have been proposed in various other states as well. So, um, which is funny because it's like okay, so now now you're just like where it's like nothing changes really in the curriculum except. There's more like a there's more like a eyes on like the teachers to not say the wrong right. thing, whatever that might be, because now there's some sort right. of law in place where it's like, do you, you, this is so ridiculous because this is coming from people that don't even really understand the history of the United States yet they're they're in and, and they're so afraid of the history being taught. You know, it's it's just such. A I think ox- a lot of these people so too, ridiculous. Jared, live in these bubbles. You know, they live in their little bubble, their happy little bubble, and they're too, 
They're yeah. too either just they don't care or they just don't want to be bothered to think critically about something. Racism doesn't exist in others. my city where there's no black people. In the- <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> or no exactly. people of any sort of color at yeah, all. Yeah, we, we go to the Chinese <laughs> restaurant and we're real friendly with yeah, the owners who I are leave Chinese. I a great and- tip. If they right? if they remember the extra duck sauce or whatever, I don't know. Right, right. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, well, Jared, can I uh, spread a little love? I do have a shout out. Sure, today. Chad. Sure. Spread a little love. So this, when I came across this story, Jared, I knew immediately I had to uh, share it with you and our listeners on the podcast. This is just awesome. Kenyan engineer recycles plastic into bricks stronger than concrete. Uh, I believe the name is pronounced is pronounced zombie but i could be wrong it's n-z-a-m-b-i uh, maybe yeah, I it's think, zombie i'm no, not sure i think the n is silent i think you're right yeah i think you're, yeah so anyway so zombie uh, mate is an entrepreneur with an incredible goal to turn plastic destined for the landfill into sustainable strong building material her company um uh, gen j makers uses plastic waste of commercial facilities to create bricks that can withstand twice the weight threshold of concrete I don't know if people know this, but it actually takes a lot of materials to make concrete, and it's also not very environmentally friendly to make concrete. I did not know that, Um, but I can't say I'm surprised when I I hear it. (laughs) Right. Um, So here we go. So um, Gen J Makers is based in Nairobi, Kenya, where plastic waste uh, pollution has become a severe problem. A study supported by the National Environmental Management Agency, or NEMA, found that 50% of cattle near urban areas in Kenya had plastic in their stomachs. To combat the this issue, the Kenyan government outlawed the use of plastic bags in 2017 and imposed a ban on all single-use plastic in protected natural areas last Dude, year. It pisses me off so much. Uh, when I go to this one grocery store that I don't go to often, but sometimes I go there... Um, they have like paper and plastic for bag options. You know, paper or plastic. Mm-hmm. They don't really do paper or plastic. They're like, would you like paper? Or excuse me, would you like plastic? And I'm like, could I have paper? Which they have a, a shit ton there of both. And I'm like, right. why do you like push it towards plastic? Like, you, like you, 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 you t- con- Maybe it's contextualize. Cost? Uh, probably. I'd imagine that's what it is. I was like, most things go down to money. I was like, I hate sure. that you word it where it's like you, you like you have a bunch of paper there, but you don't even word it as that's an option, even though it is an option. It bothers me so much. Right. Um, yeah. But anyway, so uh, the factory uh, is only in its beginning stages so far, but it has already recycled twenty tons of plastic since 2017 and created 120 jobs in Nairobi. In addition, Genji bricks are also one of the more affordable options on the market. uh, They cost approximately uh, $7.70 per square meter as opposed to $98 uh, per square yard for concrete produced in the U.S. I don't know what the difference is between per square meter and per square yard, but um, I mean, I don't know. When I saw this, though, Jared, I thought to myself, and I'm like, I would love something like this in the U.S. Shit. I would gladly build a house with these bricks. And by the way, these bricks, Jared, look awesome. They're like red and blue. They look really interesting. And it's like, well, shit, I would, if I could build a house, I would use these bricks, like for sure. Like it's, they're stronger. It's environmentally sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to, be, just to clarify, mm-hmm. um, square yard and square meter are pretty close. So square, one square. Oh, are they? One okay. square meter is equivalent to 1.195 blah, 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 square yard. So pretty close. Okay. Pretty close. Okay. So yeah, so there you go. So that's also a big price difference as well. Um, Actually, yeah, so it's bigger to be clear. Also, I just right. I didn't even really put. So it's 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 they're about the same, but a meter is a little bigger too. So right. that price is amazing. 
Yeah. So anyway, shout out to Zombie Mate and also her uh, company as well. Yeah. Um, Gen J Makers. I think that's awesome. And we wish them the best of luck and hope they can continue um, producing these more environmentally sustainable bricks. You betcha. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I haven't used my drops on a regular basis for so long. Like every time I go to click one, I'm like, is this what this was? I don't even remember. No worries. But well, Jared, you know I think drop, you know what time <laughs> say, The one drop I know exactly where it is every time. Have not lost the untranslatable You, you better. Owl. You better. Um, yes, it is time for some untranslatables, which are idioms, proverbs, sayings, axioms that don't always translate on Talk a one-to-one basis. Talk that for example. In English. <laughs> um, and uh, we are your tried-and-true certified untranslatable experts uh, here to decipher them for you. And uh, I hope Jared is going to get us started today. Yeah, so I have one more Trinidadian one for us. Uh, they call it Trini slang. Um, I couldn't help myself. I, I like them. All skin, teeth, a laugh. E-H, but I think they mean and. But that's how they wrote it. A laugh. All skin, teeth, a laugh. All skin, teeth. Uh... So it's like all skin, teeth, and, and a laugh. laugh. And, 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 right, and, all, and laugh. All skin, and laugh. teeth, and laugh, okay. essentially. This person's all skin, teeth, and laugh. Oh. Um, is it someone who's like, I don't know, this is maybe way too specific, but like lanky, but always in a good mood? Lanky, but always in a good mood? That is super. So someone that's skinny? Uh, right. But also always in a good mood. Right. No. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> that is so specific, but I like right. it. I've, I like right. it. Right. I figured that was... I yeah, like that I, you're I making guesses. I went that's, really, that's really what needs to be happening. So even if it's right. wrong, I respect it. All skin teeth and laugh. This person's okay. all skin teeth and laugh. A laugh. Um, so... A jokester. A prankster. No, that, but you're getting closer. No. You are getting closer. Okay. okay. You know, there was a, uh, a big scandal recently regarding Jeopardy. Um, you know, RIP to to Alex Trebek, and so they've been looking for a, a replacement. And they they right. had a long period where they had a bunch of uh, you know guest hosts to try to decide who the host would be. Then after mm-hmm. all of that, the executive producer um, stepped in, and he and he and he's like, "Oh, we've d- decided who the host is going to be, me." Um, and then after that, uh, a whole bunch of stuff came up about, about how he's a kind of a terrible person. Um, okay. And maybe one of the coworkers would be like, "Wow, I can't, oh, what's his name? Oh, Michael Richards uh, mm-hmm. got uh, Mike Richards. By the way, same name as the Seinfeld guy, uh, Kramer. Uh, but uh, oh, Mike Richards got got the got the gig. <laughs> surprise! No surprise there. He's all skin, teeth, and laugh. And and laugh. So it's to be, to be in power. It means to be uh, appear friendly, but to be deceptive. Oh, all skin. Okay. Yeah. I like that one. Okay. That's good. Uh, my first one for you today, Jared, is Hindi, and it is Angare Ugal- Ugalana. I think that's how they pronounce it. Angare Ugalana, which means to excrete embers. Someone's like super angry. There we go. Pissed yep. off. Probably how the uh, the people who applied for the Jeopardy job felt after that <laughs> dude said, I'm going to do it. That's a great untranslatable, by the way. Yep. Excrete embers. Yeah. Yeah. Shit fire. Is, wow, man. I'm trying to think of sweating bullets <laughs> is not the same concept. I'm trying to think no, of what. Definitely. Because that means to be afraid, not angry. Right. Um, all right. Or I nervous. One yeah. more for you. Uh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Not a, Yeah. Nervous is better. Uh, my final one is Danish, and it's hold da helt fatty. Take a whole vacation. Take That's a whole like vacation. Hit, 
Oh, it's like get out of here! Like you're kind of in disbelief. Yes, yes. I, I like yeah, that well, it's one. like they said, "Holy cow!" Oh, yeah, yeah. I have two two untranslatables. One of them I would say is is I don't know old school. One of them is this British one that I love so mm-hmm. much that that I just say to myself. I'm not even kidding all the time. Okay, and I'll just like in a British accent. So the first one that I love. That you get that that take a whole vacation reminds me of is you're out to lunch. If you tell someone, oh, you're oh, out to yeah. lunch, I love I love that. It seems right. so like that is a good 1940s. One. Oh, you out to lunch. Right. The other one right. I love Look even at Billy more. Over here. He's <laughs> out to lunch. <laughs> the other one I love. I think it reminds me of British because I always say it in a British accent. Like, oh, bro, you lost the plot, bro. You lost the plot. Have you you lost the plot. <laughs> I, I love, love that. I love That's great. that untranslatable. And I literally just say it to myself all the time in a house that by myself. Awesome. <laughs> oh, hey, bro, you, you completely lost the plot, mate. Bruv, bruv you've lost the plot. Have you lost the plot, That's awesome. Mate. That's great. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's that's awesome. Well, Jared, uh, my next untranslatable for you um, is kind of how how you might feel when you when you say, uh, "Bro, you've lost the plot, bro," <laughs> which is uh, this one is Spanish. Um, this one may not be PC, so just a little warning for folks out there. <laughs> Disfrutar como un enano, which means to enjoy yourself like a dwarf. Oh, who were who were who was that warning to? <laughs> I thought it was gonna be know. way worse than that. Right. Enjoy is dwarf your... not? I, I feel like dwarf probably isn't PC anymore. I think it is. Right. Well, I, I, is it? Well, I think that's like the actual term. I'd like well, like a, the biological okay. term. If I'm okay. not mistaken, could, could be. I could be wrong. I think that's but better. What do you than think saying, this means? It's sure. better than saying the M word. You know. Woo, that's true. Yep. Now that's true. The, that's now on the uh, upper echelon of that is now gone into like N word. No, I'm kidding. No, still not gonna say it though. Still <laughs> not gonna say it. I'll say the N word right. before I say it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you might. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what was the untranslatable? To, to enjoy yourself like a dwarf. Is that just means to really enjoy yourself? Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> but, I don't understand but that the, connection. The reason why the reason why I bring this one up though, Jared, is I also love what the English equivalent they have here. What's Can that? you think of an untranslatable we have if you're like having a great time? Like a, it's not to have a ball. Like a pig and shit, mate. Oh, that's I mean that's another feeling like one. a pig and the, shit. The one they have though is uh to have a whale of a time. Have you ever heard that before? Maybe uh, a whale maybe, of a time. Maybe when I watched Bridgerton at the beginning of the pandemic or something. <laughs> that sounds like right. something they said in like the 1800s or something. Oh, we're having a whale of a time. No, I've right. never really heard that before, but it sounds super okay. old school. All right. And yeah. British. But yeah, I, I think that's a funny one to have a whale of a time. <laughs> All right, mate, we were having a whale of a time at the pub. Is that just because whales are big? I think so, yeah. Have a, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Ooh, um, let, me. let me give you one. Let me give you one more, Jared. Uh, my final untranslatable for you. This one is French. I'm sure I'll mispronounce it, but here it is: um, pedaler, uh, pedaler dans la chocolaté. Uh, to pedal in, in the... the sauerkraut. Okay. Is that like the step? Like the step? Ooh, you stepped in it. Nope. Uh, okay, okay. Nope. So it's not like, oh, when do you do? It's like, I'm not pregnant. Ooh, I stepped in the sauerkraut on that one. Yeah, no. Nope. Okay, nope. okay, and, okay. It's not to, yeah, it's to, to pedal in the sauerkraut. I mean, think about it, Jared. How far are you going to get if you're uh, if you're on a bike pedaling in sauerkraut? I mean, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. It's not the easiest path to take. I'd much rather mm-hmm. be on, you know, like a light gravel or cement. Sure. <laughs> if I'm trying to get somewhere. Right. So is that like to like... To un- to undertake a difficult task, really nope. peddling through sauerkraut, take it, staying nope. up late, burning the midnight Could be oil. Like, here, let me let me give let me give you another example. Say when you and I were kids, right? Mm-hmm. 
and uh, and maybe we're trying to plead our case with our parents for something, right? And we say, yeah, but I did X, Y, and Z, or yeah, but they did X, Y, and Z. I could easily picture my my parents being like, Chad, you're peddling sauerkraut. Mm, mm. It's like you're barking up the wrong tree, essentially. Or like um, like you're going down a, it's like a useless path essentially. Like uh, yes, okay. perfect, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, it means I to you, get absolutely nowhere. Yeah, so I, yeah, useless path. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like exactly. when you ask your parents if you could like spend the night at someone's house and they say no, and then you try to like uh re- like reason with them and it's like it's, right. we, this is already over. This conversation is already over. Yep. Yeah, you're what, not whatever you say is exactly. useless at this, <laughs> at this point. Yeah, yeah, and you still, in spite of that, try to be like, well, no, 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 but but you don't understand. Yeah, no, I right. understand, and I don't care. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know who doesn't understand the the education system? They don't understand, and and I'm not even going to put this fully on the U.S. education system because I feel like in general, even education systems that are better funded, better utilities, better structures than in the U.S. and there are plenty of them that exist. Still, that doesn't mean that their uh, that their curriculum is is, is necessarily um, top notch. Teaching kids what you know? they need to know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just be, yeah. Um, so, uh, where do you want to start on this? I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know yeah, where to there's, begin. There's a, yeah, that's what a great question. What students should be learning in school, Chad? What, oh, what were some classes that you remember, the, the, some, some highlights of classes that you, that you took in school? Favorites, or not, not even favorites, but some maybe that were interesting, or even just the standard stuff. We all took the, uh, some sort of science, whether it be biology, right. chemistry, um, what's, what's, there's another major one, physics, um, yep. Uh, you know, everyone took some sort of math, calculus, geometry, uh, uh, trigonometry. Um, I'm missing another one. But, you know, some sort of math like mm-hmm. that. Um, right. everyone Usually English language arts yeah. and social studies or history. Yeah. You know, something in- involving like reading something, something involving right. like like the, the globe, countries. Yeah, like geography. Right. I think that's sort of it. And then some sort of physical education, which I, by the way, was always a star at. Oh, me too. I took racket sports my senior year, dude. You knew I was lighting everybody up, dude. In racket sports, <laughs> you know this was reminding. Remember, did I tell you when I was home in Louisiana for like an extended period of time, and my mom showed me my my uh, my uh, grade school grades, and, oh, and that's she's right. like, "You're yeah. such a smart boy," and I'm like, "None of these grades are proving that." And she's like, "Well, look at that. that that's a good grade." I'm like, "Yeah, PE. <laughs> You're telling me that right. as a child, I was in shape. Thank you. You were physically fit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, well, I will say this though, Jared. Let me let me start with the c- class for me that I think was one of the most impactful classes mm. that I had. Oh yeah, and it's maybe one okay. that that folks might not think of. And the, the title of the class um, was kind of interesting as well. So the title of the class was called "Intro to Media Literacy," and uh, it was taught by shout out to Matt Martello is the guy's name. He was one of my favorite and best teachers I had in high school. Super awesome guy. Unfortunately, he um, he's not teaching anymore. Um, and I think he left <laughs> Jeez, the field dude. because he knew how toxic you got uh, the edge. You know, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I just know he's not teaching so anymore, nervous. which is a shame. I thought you were about to say something such way a great worse teacher. than that when you said, unfortunately, no, 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 no. he's not with us. I'm like, oh, come on. You, and then you're like, he's not teaching. I'm like, oh, my God, thank you. I I was legitimately relieved when you said that. I was like, oh, God. Yeah, let me tell you why, Jared, this class was so impactful for me in high school. So as as you know, and maybe some of our listeners know, know, I've always loved music, playing guitar, all that stuff. And so for this class, we got to watch different documentaries, movies, listen to music, and we would discuss 
kind of what a lot of these things mean. Uh, I, I, if I remember correctly, it's been a long time since high school. I remember we took a look as well, though, at like different newspaper articles. We kind of talked about how different media is formed and how you also create different media. And then later on, I actually took another class with Mr. Martello on um, like video production. And so we had to like make a commercial, which was awesome. Oh, Our commercial, nice. Jared, I could tell you was... Uh, one of my classmates came up with the idea of guitar gloves, which basically meant you put on these magical gloves and you couldn't play guitar. Then you put these gloves on and you could play guitar. So we actually, it was, I wish, I wish I could find the video somewhere. I wish we would have like uploaded it to YouTube or something because the commercial was hilarious. Like, and, and we made the commercial, we designed it on purpose. So it was clearly obvious that the guy playing the guitar in the video was not actually playing guitar and it was just hilarious mm -hmm. but the whole the whole reason why that class was so impactful was it gave me a space to be creative to try out and learn how to how you can like write a script a storyboard how a lot of these things work because when you peel back the onion and you get a better understanding of kind of the back end stuff of how that works it makes you more i think analytical and critical of what you see and what you read in the future mm -hmm. i think Having some level of media literacy, in my opinion, that should be a requirement for all kids in schools because we we are flooded with information nowadays, as kids especially. And it was funny. I was watching this video on Instagram. I think it was actually a TikTok that someone put on Instagram. But this guy was basically saying the way the internet is nowadays, you can almost find anything that backs up your opinion. And so what he did is he said, all right, I'm going to take a crazy example here. Uh, coffee makes you blind and coffee will improve your eyesight. And he Googled both of those things and he was able to find within five to 10 seconds oh, yeah, different articles sure. that would support his viewpoint. Mm -hmm. So having that level of media literacy, I think is incredibly important. I agree with you. I have two things I want to say. One of them is one of my most memorable and impactful class things that I did and it's similar to what you're talking about. But first, I want to uh, talk about um, I agree with everything you said completely, and I think that what you said—the idea of media literacy, the idea of of like taking real-world applications—I I think we can we can think bigger with this. We can think much bigger. I think that there's so much more of an opportunity for every aspect of um, what we do in school to have some sort of real-world application, whether that be math class. You know, there's the mm -hmm. obvious. We should be teaching. We should be teaching personal finances, obviously, way more yes. effectively. Yes, I mean that's an obvious one. I learned, yep. you know, you know, I, we 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 can we both. I know exactly what your personal finance experience was in grade school because it was the same as mine. Yep, we learned how to write a check. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> and I did take a class my junior or senior. It was an elective on uh, budgeting and finance, and uh, we had to balance a checkbook. Mm. I forget okay. what else we had to do. Um, I didn't do but, that until yeah. I took an accounting class, like a accounting classes in college. Um, other, I took like current events classes and sort of like econ classes, but it was more um, like the theory of economics rather than right. application of it like that. Um, but you but, know what else would be great too regarding personal finance, Jared, yeah. is teaching kids about like the concept of compound interest, like yes. how this, and why you should invest. This is all part of the Jared Minor curriculum. And I guess I'm going to spell it all out here and give it to someone to steal because I could put this shit in a book and sell it. You could. So we're talking about math class. There are various other ways you can you can approach that. You know, we you, you could look at it from an economic standpoint, how how real businesses are 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 um, are uh, 
working, how, how like interest rates in in uh, how interest rates are moving, in, in, and be like, okay, well, so now we know how interest rates are now. If we think about compound interest and what can we expect in in twenty thirty, you know, that could be some sort of word. Right. Problem. I don't know. I don't know. Or you could even look at it like. Um, I'm trying to think of more math app. There math app. Oh, uh, what, uh, here's a math application that's that was great for me as a kid that I did not appreciate. Nothing to do with school. This was my mom. My mom was in finance and accounting her whole life, and uh, so she was she was re- always always real good at like quick in the head math, especially like percentages and like quick math like that. And so whenever we would go to um, go to uh, like a restaurant. She'd be like, hey, Jared, this is our bill. I want to give a blah, 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 you know, 20% tip. How much, you know, how much should I should I give? And most of the time I would just say some ridiculous number because I don't feel like actually doing the work. I'd be like, $100? Right. She's like, the bill is $35. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but eventually, like, I would that actually do it. That would be a happy camper, <laughs> yeah. though, Jared. If, she, if my mom actually listened to me, I, we would be the best tipping family in the world. Um, you would come in, they'd roll the red <laughs> yeah. carpet for your family. Oh, sit here, like, please. Did you bring your right? son? No. All right, never mind. Step out of the back. Uh, <laughs> um, so that's math. Okay, that's just we're, we're that's math. Um, science. We should be talking a lot more about first of all climate change in general. Yep. There's so much science application you could do around climate change. Real applications of chemistry, mm-hmm. biology, um, yeah. geology. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I'm sure there are ways to apply physics to the real world. I'm just an idiot, so I can't say it right now. But I'm 100 percent sure. Actually, I, I know, I know, well, yeah. I know there are car safety. Sure, that's one. That's one. That's a great example. Uh, yes, yeah, stru- yeah, that's a great example. Engineering in general uh, is is a great example of how you could apply physics. Um, right. And so that's science. Um, English. I'm good with English, actually. I'm, I think English is one of the few areas. Now, maybe it's not done the best, but as far as teaching literature. I have no no problem with that, really. No problem with that. Uh, I, 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 think I have some probably, issues with it. I could it could probably be taught better, by the way. I'm not saying, but the idea of teaching literature, um, I I think is is important. But I'm not. I don't. Th- but I think when it comes to critical reading, we can definitely expand that to in, yes. in, to in, in, yes. in, involve more current events as well. I'm not taking that away, but at the same time, I have no problem. With the idea of like a literature class where uh, where um, you're learning, um, you know, like like about classic about classic pieces of of art, of of of, um, of literature because it's art almost, you know, it's essentially art. Yeah, and then well, obviously let- geography can be adapted to all of those in some sort of way. Right. That's an easy well, one let, to adapt. Let me give you my take, though, Jared, on, on English Lit. Please, because please. obviously, as a language person, language teacher, I do have some some thoughts and feelings about this. Number one, I think there is too much focus on literature itself. And the other issue with literature as well is we kind of teach kids all the... They're, they're all reading the same thing. And when you make kids read all the same thing, Jared, mm. that means that a lot of times they're, being, they're going to have the similar thoughts similar ways to analyze things. So I think we need to open up and give students a lot more freedom to uh, and give them suggestions and guidance to pick other things to read, especially from you know minority groups, people from other countries, other cultures. I think that's crucial. I, I um, agree with you. I do think we could definitely expand the novels that we're reading. 
you know, mm-hmm. and, and but careful. Now we're getting into critical race theory, Chad. I, this sounds like critical <laughs> race theory to Watch me. Watch out. Podcast is going to be canceled, Jared. Watch out. But the yeah, other thing. We, 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 we've been reading the same, you know, six staples to kill a mockingbird or uh, what's that? What's that Fitzgerald book? Um with the with the with the rich guy that uh, is depressed. Um, oh, Great Gatsby. Yeah, <laughs> um, we've been reading all these, or, or uh, a book I like, but we've still been reading all these same books. Uh, the Holden Caulfield, everyone's a phony. Uh, um, J D. Salinger. Um, uh, gee, what the hell is that book? J D. Salinger, everyone's a, fo- a phony. Holden I'm Caulfield. Not sure. <laughs> not, I, I don't know. Oh my I didn't, god! Clearly didn't I need read to look that it up. One. Catcher in the Rye—that's the book. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but anyway, yeah. Uh, the I, other I, I thing with you, it could be a little bit more. It, it can be more applicable to society. It likes mm-hmm. relevant society. So find yeah. find more relevant authors. Some that just come off my head. Most of the people I can think of on my head are black, but that's just because that's what I am, and that's what I find interest in when I think about sure. reading about, especially um, like novels, but that have some sort of application to society. Uh, Tanasi right. Coates. Um, oh, for sure. Uh, um, oh, geez, uh, Ibram X. Kendi. Uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, James Baldwin, you know there there are so many. He has great novels and sort of fiction, uh, nonfiction stuff as well. Uh, so it's just modernizing right. and, and expanding, broadening the uh, the scope a little bit. And obviously, there's a whole bunch of other um, perspectives other than just a black perspective. That's just what I know the best, I guess. Sure. Um, so yeah, one other thing too, Jared, about English lit or or just English language arts is I think we need to expand students' minds about what they can do with writing. Because I hear a lot of people say, oh, you're getting a degree in English. What a worthless degree. And it's like, do you not know how many people need to write content, edit content? Um, Most of my job is making presentations. And mm -hmm. and and a key part of that is how can you effectively write information and and make it not just make it concise visually appealing yes yes yeah. yes and yeah, yeah and tell and talk about real data and it's a skill and not it's boring. a really big skill <laughs> yeah yeah and have like a through like a plot you know mm-hmm. where you're not just jumping around randomly through different topics throughout it for sure that right that's a great uh that's i agree with you completely and can that makes me want to can i now tell you about one of my favorite teachers of course can't really remember his name this was like seventh or eighth grade his he was from New Zealand. This was at International School of Dusseldorf when I lived in Germany. I moved there in seventh grade. I don't remember. If, it might have been eighth grade. Could have been seventh grade. I don't remember exactly. But what is it? It started with a Z, Zellings or something like that. Him and his wife were both from New Zealand. Taught there. Got divorced somewhere in there. Was, and, the, and their classrooms were right next to each other. That was interesting. That's awkward. Uh, um, but I had I on, I only had I believe I only had the Mister of of the two. As a teacher, okay. and one of the t- one of the um, assignments that we had that actually I didn't think of until you just brought up the writing assignment thing and, and, and visualizing writing in different ways. He gave us the assignment to make a, to do a movie review, and oh, I cool. still think about that today because I I messed it up. I messed it up in the way that most of my classmates messed it up, which is which is uh, it's essentially a book report of a movie, not a review of the movie. So you're not oh. actually analyzing how 
good the movie how is. You experience the movie, and, and yeah, and how like it fits right. into society or whatever. You're just like, this is this happened here, and this was a pivotal scene where it's like now you're just telling me what right. happened, and I still think about that from time to time. It's like I wish I had a chance to do that over again because I did this. I fell into the same trap most people did, and kind of just gave a book report of a movie. The movie I chose, by the way, I still remember because I fucked it up and it fast and me furious. Off. Oh damn Rush it! Rush hour. No, damn it! I tried to be deep. So I didn't do Rush uh-huh. Hour, but I wish I thought of Fast okay. and Furious. I did Man on Fire. Have you seen that movie? Familiar? Oh, that's with Denzel uh, Washington, yeah, right? Yeah, where he's the, uh, he's the um, actually a star-studded cast, now that I think about it. He's a bodyguard for a rich Mexican guy who's Mark Anthony, and he's a bodyguard for Dakota Fanning. And I don't remember who he's married to, though. I don't remember who he's married to, but it also is some star. I can't think of it, though. So same teacher, same class. Honestly, I okay. don't even remember what this class was, bro. <laughs> no, I think about it. I could. Kind of reminds me of my media lit class, though. That's, in a lot well, of ways. that this other yeah. project that I initially thought of is even is why is really why I, uh, I thought of your media media lit class. So, me and one of my friends, Peter Merrick, we uh, had a project where it was essentially, and this is another aspect of my curriculum plan, by the way. We had mm-hmm. a project where is you had to present a topic. However you want. You just had to okay. like present this this topic to me. Did you do interpretive dance? Damn. We fucked up. No. Uh, <laughs> no, we did a... Uh, so what we did... Oh, this was so good, dude. This was so good. <laughs> Eighth grade me... That was the height, bro. That was the height. Uh, um, so uh, Or seventh grade. Peak. I have no idea. Yeah, for, for sure. So we did a like a Dave Attenborough... Like uh, David Attenborough, like um, like were like like or or even like, a like nature a, um, or yes, earth or e- like even a, like yeah. a, a crocodile, not crocodile Dundee, and, and crocodile here you hunter, see the swallow in its natural yes. habitat. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But uh, we're doing our normal thing, and then we stumble upon a um, a time machine, and we go back in okay. time. And so okay. now we're doing the sort of David Attenborough thing. I don't even remember what the topic was. <laughs> but we're doing that David Attenborough thing of like nature people, but we're doing right. it on like being we're like, oh, we're in the middle of like the Spanish Inquisition or something. Like this is what's like this is what's happening around us kind and, of thing. And here you see a Moor who is getting tragically taken and tortured but by the <laughs> Then they saw us. And we got attacked at the end. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Plot twist. That's great. I love it. Today, still to this day, is the height of my school, my schooling right there. There And I wish, I wish I knew where that was, but I I have no access to it. I have no access to it. And his older brother, Phil, Phil was his name. Uh, helped us with it with with like the record with like the video recording of it but but it was so and that teacher between the movie review and something like that it's like you we're we're, te- we're learning something learning how to write differently yeah. than just a book report yeah. learning how to explain Work collaboratively in a team as well learning how to learning how to like explain some sort of historical event in whatever way you see fit you choose something right and don't just write a, it's entertaining don't just write it choose something and don't just write an essay <laughs> right um and i love that i love that and i, I feel like I never really had anything like that since. So that is yeah. um, another thing that I wanted to add on into my curriculum is forget just papers and shit. We need to find, right. we need to give students the free, especially with, you know, these days in schools, kids, every kid is given like a laptop or an iPad or something, which has GarageBand, right. iMovie, yep. uh, some sort of uh, photo editor, you know, right. like give, like just tell them, 
what what you want them to learn or explore somehow. Hey, mm-hmm. the topic is I don't, I don't even the or crusades pick the topic, but create. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. This is American history. Choose a, a, a like a, a period of American history that you find very important, and right. find a way other than just some sort of essay to properly explain this era or something like that. Speaking of that, though, Jared, I, I have a quick little funny short story I want to tell, and then and then we can talk more about this. But I did have a really good AP government teacher in high school, and that's that's a pretty boring and dry subject to be honest. Yeah, that's a rough one. And and. And he and he let us choose a topic. So, you know me. I was it was my junior senior year uh, in high school. My guitar skills were getting a, a lot better at that point, and so I brought in my white Fender Stratocaster, just like Jimi Hendrix had at Woodstock, <laughs> and I played my own rendition of the national anthem. And I discussed why when Jimi Hendrix did his own rendition at Woodstock, why it was so controversial. I talked about there were a few other artists so you, who have done so their own rendition. You taught critical race theory, is what you're telling me, Chad. Oh <laughs> well, well that that I wouldn't call that critical race theory because that's not really that's true. That's true. I'm just kidding because it's a black person. That's more political. Um, but but what, anyways, why, what it was, was it? Can you explain it to me just a quick uh, like what what was so powerful about it? I mean, I know well, there's so, something, well, but so what's what's so powerful? And you'll need to go in and listen to Jimmy. Just after this, Jared and listeners out there, do yourselves a favor. Go go on YouTube or whatever search engine or or video um, website you have available in your country, and just do Jimi Hendrix. Woodstock Star Spangled Banner. Now I've heard it and, for mm-hmm. sure, but just to be fair, it's not my favorite Jimi Hendrix song by any means. It's too, well, but, it's but too see, much. It's too extended. <laughs> that's know? the point. I'm just like, this is that's not a jam. The point, Jer. <laughs> well, of course not. But the whole point of it, and that was, um, from what I've read, Jer, that was completely improvised. Like even the people in his band, like, were like looking around, like, uh, what, what is this oh, guy doing? They didn't doing? even know they, how to. Like, they didn't it's right. like, what is this? I don't, and, I don't know how to... But the the cool thing about that rendition, though, Jared, is Jimi Hendrix was a master of getting all these really unique and fascinating sounds out of his guitar. And there are parts, like, th- when you sing it, you know, when the bomb's... Uh, and the bomb's bursting in air, he, he used his whammy bar and these different effect pedals to make these, like, like kind of like crazy mm-hmm. sounds that sounded like bombs going off and yeah and you I have see. to remember I that see. this is when vietnam when the vietnam war was happening mm-hmm. so so you know there was it was like a very important moment in pop culture mm-hmm. in politics and all that in american history but anyways so shout out to mr bergen he was uh my ap gov teacher Damn, who, you have a better you know, memory could, of names than i do i'm mad that i, I can't forget so. that i that i forgot that one teacher's name but uh, but yeah, but anyways, I, and once again though, that was taking something that was really interesting, and, and I could bring in the guitar, and the students were kind of when they saw me like pulling in my guitar, you could tell a lot of them were like, oh wow, what's what's this gonna be? Yeah, you know. So so yeah, um, but what else would you include in the Jared Minor School of Life curriculum? Uh, more real world applications. So much stuff I learned yep. seemed completely irrelevant to life. Uh, practical hands on skills. Oh, definitely, that's a big one. So so in this once again. Not just how to fix stuff. Yes, yes, yes. But we can get we can get into the science of how these things work. You know, the yeah. math of 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 or either the three quarter inch of this goes to the whatever. Um, right. But fixing cars, which it can be expensive, sure. Uh, household right. appliances. I had yep. like my I don't know. Toilets a big one. Plumbing. Plumbing is is one of those things that is both complex yet so simple. 
so simple yeah. that like it's it's sort of like a perfect machine i feel like it takes no mm -hmm. electricity it all is like weights and levers yeah and yeah this opens the water to Momentum. fill up here yeah and then it hits the ball that stops it like it's all just like this it there's nothing oh dude I've, i remember a couple times with my uh where my my parents called a um a plumber specifically and then they come and fix something and it's like that is the most obvious it's like i spent so much time and that was the most obvious fix and it really and it's just like and it's like i feel like we could this is these things are like this is even just like a good for like like even just being like here's a toilet figure out how it works it's such a great right. problem solving thing to yeah. do i had to do that at my well i didn't have to but i did that in my apartment because i was too stubborn to uh call up the maintenance guy so i what happened was my toilet just kept running mm -hmm. and i found out that the the little chain for the lever was too short so i just went out replaced it got a longer chain it shut the little thingy and there you go you felt you, know, and you felt solved. like felt like a freaking uh, mythbusters <laughs> i did i did bro it was a great feeling but once again those types of skills also give ch children confidence mm -hmm. to grow and expand and not be afraid because i feel like I'm that's one thing that i've noticed hood. like someone even yep. that likes cars Yep. I'm sort of afraid. Like I have a certain things that I know I can touch. I can do. I right. can touch the oil. I can touch like the uh, coil packs if I need. To. Like there are like three or four things that I right. know I can do. Other than that, I'm like I don't. I, I don't know what's happening, and I'm afraid right. to try to problem solve because I'm afraid I'm just gonna destroy everything. Well, and it's gotten trickier as cars have become more you know technologically complex with computers. But once again, still having that that. Um, kind of confidence inside you of i can look at this and figure it out myself and fix it is such an empowering thing for children yes uh, for, for anybody Empower really the children um, yeah it's it's really important um and and you're right though i think those life skills are crucial also classes like woodworking that used to be a thing are not a thing anymore and like i don't know i i just i wonder I, where is our world and society going to be jared in 10 15 years because it seems like everyone just wants to go for a college degree and and the sad truth of our society and our world is not everyone needs or should have a college degree. Not everyone can do these these you know jobs. We need people who can build things, who can that, create things. That is one difference that I can speak of. You know, you mentioned at the top of the show about the difference between like private, public, and international school as far as mm -hmm. sort of the BS that we learned versus what was useful that we learned. One of the useful things that I learned at my international school, that was the best education I had, clearly. I Because I've brought up, by the way, nothing from the private school, the private Catholic right. schools I went to as far as super useful. But I've, I've already, I'm three, I'm already got three out right out of the rip, four maybe, about uh, my international school. Another one is, we did have like a, a woodworking class. And it wasn't just a woodworking class, it was we worked with different materials I don't even mm -hmm. think we really worked with wood. Now I think about it, but we worked with different plastics, and we had like, um, like our teacher would explain to us what the plastics were. We had a couple different options, and and then we had a specific set of tools that we were allowed to use to make, you know, something. And the right. tools were uh, a saw or two that you could use to cut out a certain shape. There was something mm -hmm. I don't remember what the process was, but there was something where you could heat it up and bend it into certain shapes. It, oh, but it's nice. like, but okay. if you want to do more bending, choose this plastic. But if you want to do more cutting, you might want to choose this plastic because it's easier to cut. But you choose based off of what it is you're going to make. And right. I, that's I, great. I, I was bad at it, but now and when I look back at it in hindsight, I'm like, that was dope. That was dope. Yeah. And that was something, and, and that was like, 
And that was like the and that's where it's like the I don't know, I, I that felt very hands on and I like that it's like it was even like a science class you know but but a hands right. a hands on science class essentially. All right. Yeah, I think the the hands on aspects are crucial for sure. Like I would have loved if I could have had like a woodworking class. You better believe I probably wouldn't have made a guitar because there aren't the materials for it. But I forget the name of it now. But there's like a percussion instrument that's like a box you can sit on. I totally would have tried to maybe oh, make yeah. one of those or oh, something. Yeah, yeah. Um, another big thing that I think should be included more in school curriculums, Jared, um, is is relationship building, clear mm. communication. When I say relationship I? building, I mean being able to establish boundaries, um, How, knowing uh, when people are mistreating you, abusing you, things like that. So. That's part of my curriculum, and I like where your head's at. I think I have a better mm-hmm. term for that because I agree okay. with you, but I think that all wraps up into uh, the idea of mental health. Okay, teaching mental yeah. health, teaching like psychology almost a little bit, but right. you know the idea of mental health. I th- I feel like encompasses the idea of interpersonal skills, understanding your emotions, and I think, mm-hmm. dude. You know, I, I, I've one. said before not that not only understanding Jared, but also knowing how to deal with your emotions in a healthy way. I've said before that like grade school is one of the easiest places in the world to make friends, but I've also told stories <laughs> about how terrible I was at making friends and how for like a week or two of my at a new school, I'd happily sit alone just to not have to deal with it uh, until the right. until the principal literally came up to me. He's like, you can't do this. Um, right. <laughs> right. And that's honestly something I'd probably still do today. <laughs> right. That part in my brain has not changed really much at all. Which really means I should probably get a normal therapist right now. But anyway, um, if I lear- if I learned if I had something where I could even contextualize like that part of my brain as a kid rather than realizing it when I'm 24 or five six seven you know right uh, I'd probably be a lot further ahead in life if I was way more aware of how my brain works um, and and how that sort of can affect how you interact with other people. Right. I listened to a yeah. show uh, called Loveline. Uh, it was it was a radio show that played for a long time, not in not where we grew up, but I listened to it later, past when it was on the air. Oh, no, actually when it was on the air, uh, but in podcast form. But I used to go mm-hmm. back and listen to archives from like the nineties, and it would just be kids and people of all ages calling in about psychological issues, drug issues, um, relationship issues, family issues, just any sort of, you know, personal mental healthy related issues. And that radio show slash podcast taught me so much about like myself and uh, like how I interact with people. You know, there were constantly Mm -hmm. times where I'm like, oh, I I do that. And then you'd hear Dr. Drew like, before the person even finished the sentence, know exactly what the person was going to say and how to respond to it and like why that happened to the person when they were a kid. I'm like, oh shit, that happened to me when I was a kid, you know? Right. And um, I think having that awareness at a younger age builds much more confident children at a later age. Yeah. I'm working 100%. on my pitch. I'm working on my pitch. There we go. Uh, and when I'm, um, when I'm, I don't know, what is this? Is this going to be a book? Can you we're ta- sell? We're taking. Can you sell curriculums or should I write a of book? Of course. You could, I mean, you can do all sorts of things. We we can, we can have a sincere discussion about this after the podcast, Jared. I shit you not, because <laughs> I mean, this I'm is kinda, what I'm working on with a friend of mine. This started as um, a joke because, but like, I feel like I'm. It's a good idea. I feel like I'm spitting some real gold here. You're spitting some. The joke bars, ended dude. at like the intro of this. I'm like, oh, this is good. Right. This is good. Uh, right. Another one mixed into the mental health is mm-hmm. 
Sex education for real. Now, this one maybe doesn't have to be as much real-world application. I'm okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) But just like teaching, like, once again, we can also work in science to this. This doesn't just have to be like, you know, these are scientific things happening. You know, scientists are the ones that, that solve these issues. Um, right. with with sexually transmitted diseases that figure out how you know the the uh, the uh, reproductive system works so make it a science class don't just be like like I, I don't know we, we, there's so many real world applications and I Can feel I like add something to that especially as well, with Jared? the gro- sorry yes yes but especially with the uh inf- I mean before in history the problem was just like ignorance and 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 like right. and people being like so afraid of still kids happens today for sure but when we're talking about abstinence is the best policy i'm sure lots of people for sure but those people also have an iphone and uh have seen porn (laughs) so i feel like it's even more important now because ignorance is still being taught not taught yeah ignorance is still being ignored yet we're still now we're seeing like the the most extreme version of sex from a young age right the thing I would add to, I agree with you 100% about like the sex ed course. The thing I would add to that, though, I would also add a dimension of relationships as well, as in like romantic relationships. Because number one, hmm. that's a lot of people. Not, see, that's nah, getting iffy. That's nope, getting iffy. Nope. I'm going to disagree with <laughs> you Because I feel because... like we can cover that with interpersonal relationships without having to, like you can obviously bring up relationships, but the idea of, was this high school we're talking about? Could be high school, could be, I don't know, could be all, I mean, I guess relationships like romantic relationships, probably more so middle school, high school yeah. for sure. That's, I feel like that, yeah, that's, that's, that's dicey, bro. That's dicey. No, I think, I think it's really important. Okay. A lot of people don't know how to vet a partner. Mm-hmm. That's um, true. A lot of people, a lot of people as well are in very toxic, unhealthy, unhappy relationships, yet they, they don't know how to communicate boundaries. Right, they Chad, might you don't also have to make it personal. I'm right here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think like I just and here's the thing, man. I I'll, you and I both we've learned a lot and taken on a lot of knocks in life uh, from relationships where if had we just known things more when we were younger about human nature, about relationships, about things like that. Um, I'll be honest with you. Like when I found out um, that when my ex cheated on me, I didn't cope with it in a very healthy manner, um, and. You know, I think having that type of knowledge of understanding and knowing what to do when certain situations happen, I think would have been incredibly helpful. And I was, what, 23, 24 oh, really? when, when that happened, I think, maybe 25 or 6. But anyways. Um, Wait, you wasn't know, when I, you I were in the Czech adult. Republic? Yeah. You were 23 when you were in the Czech Republic, Chad? No, 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 no. I was, you no, are I was not. so bad. I'm bad with ages. You, Great with names, <laughs> terrible are, with ages, You were so bad at years. Because I remember we were talking <laughs> yep. about uh, our New Year's in Chicago. You're like, what was that, 2018? I was like, no, 2018. It was like 14 or 15. <laughs> like 2013. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that you were not 23. You were like 27. But that still proves your point. Where it's right. like, um, you know, this. but to, to be fair, to be fair, no matter how much you teach that at a younger age, I do agree that that's helpful and we should be teaching that. And I think that just goes along with the idea of mental health and interpersonal relationships. But that's mm-hmm. still, regardless of that being taught at a younger age, that's an ongoing thing for everyone. But maybe we would all have better coping me- mechanisms if we were aware of what we were doing. But that doesn't yeah. mean that, you know, you know, it still happens. Oh, another Definitely. thing I think would be useful to teach when we talk about all of this is teaching about um, addiction. Yeah, uh, addiction, and, and I think that works goes all in with this mental health class that we're talking about. This mm-hmm. is a big class, but uh, I think there should definitely be a section on that. And once we again, need like five teachers for that class. Bro. Once again, we're talking about science. 
We're right. talking. We're talking about psychology, relationships. We're talking. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and it's just. And so I, I, I just feel like. Um, I don't know. I feel like my curriculum's going to work. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to add to the curriculum. Oh, I can give you did, one. We did mention the practical financial stuff, but that's yep. that's kind of an obvious one. I mean, that's a huge one. Yeah. Another one though that I think is really important is logic, logic reasoning, and also problem solving. But I think um, that because, I, but I think that's a that is that is inter, interwoven into how all the assignments and how all the students learn in every class. Is how I is think that you're its making a class. bold assumption there? Bold assumption. Okay. All right. Please explain because to me. Explain to me how this class would go. I'm curious now. So, so I'm logic intrigued. and reasoning. So, so, um, oh, I, well, you could call it logic, reasoning, and problem solving. Where, um, you know, you propose some type of an ethical dilemma. It's kind of like uh, you and I both watched The Good Place. It's kind of like the the tr- whole trolley thing in The Good Place, mm-hmm. right? Like offering up these philosophical debates. Um, I mean, we do have debate classes. What I, guess. I do is I mm-hmm. have the train go to the one where there's only one person, uh, and then I see everyone get excited. Then I turn the train around <laughs> and have it go back, <laughs> and I get the three. There you go. There, there you go. That's that's one way to handle that dilemma. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's just really important to. Um, be able to look at a problem, really analyze it, think about it. Because I have to do that a lot, actually, with my current job, and I love it. Mm-hmm. I've never really, like, you do that a little bit with teaching here and there, but my current role, like, that's one of my favorite things about it, Jared, is I'll have a faculty come to me and be like, I want to do this, but I can't get this to work. Or or I did this, and it worked, but now it's not working. And trying yeah. to trying to pinpoint where the issue is and how to fix that issue or how to maybe even give them a better solution or a better option. And I mean, I could see how that could be incredibly applicable for like business people, yeah. for engineers, all sorts of people. Oh, it's, that's that very applicable to me. I mean, essentially what I do is, is you know, when I say make these presents, they're essentially like a case study, you know? So give mm-hmm. like students a case study. My boss always tells me that. He, you know, it, uh, my job involves digging through a lot of data, just pulling data. But it's like, that's... Right. But, but he always says, okay, okay, yeah, you got all this data, but what's the story, you know? Uh, w- 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 having a bunch of data is one thing, uh, but, you know, what, what, are you, what are you trying to tell? What's the whole through story here? Where are we beginning and ending? Right. And like, what's the sort of resolution here? Uh, what do we tr- like? What, what? How could you see this being resolved? And that goes back to uh, to some of the other part of the curriculum where we're talking about like the real world events and like uh, and like mm-hmm. using real world activities to be like how can which is yeah which is why which is once again I guess why I feel like this idea of what you're saying I still feel like it can get worked into other classes, right? Because if we're talking about like some sort of current events class. I feel like logic and reason, or even like a, one of those mental health classes that we we're talking about, you could definitely work in like, how could you problem solve when this happens in an interpersonal relationship? Or the climate right. is like this, but you know we know this when this won't happen because uh, the government and this, but we know because of the WHO this could happen. What? How could we do this? Right. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying words now, but uh, you know. Right. But you know, I'm just uh, yeah. So that's. I've got one final addition for you, right, Jared, and I would add this to your mental me health personally, class. Okay, so me personally, I'm just as far as your last one, logic and reasoning. I'm definitely going to take those buzzwords for my curriculum that I'm going to sell or the book I'm going to write, but I there you can't go. confirm 
that it's worthy of being its own class, personally. Okay. But I hear Fair the merits enough. of it, and I'm not saying it's shit. I'm just saying, in, in my program, <laughs> oh, <that's good. laughs> I feel like the idea, I'm, I'm trying to find a way to work that logic and, and reasoning into everything, you know? That's, that's the core. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the core. Uh, yeah. Sure. I mean, that's an incredibly important thing. The last thing that I would add, though, and I would add this as a piece to your ever-growing and expanding mental health class. These kids are going to be also, fucking geniuses. Self-awareness. <laughs> Interesting. That's something that you didn't I feel explicitly like mention. to the mental health class, but I like that's it. That's what I said. Oh, that's right. where Sorry, I, said. I missed that. I missed that. Yeah. And, and the reason why self-awareness is so important. <laughs> curriculum. <laughs> you're, you're good. The thing about self-awareness that I think is so crucial is regardless of, you know, yes, all humans will feel similar emotions, happiness, sadness, mm-hmm. l- loneliness, whatever. The way we process, the way we react with those emotions, um, and also the way we treat others when we feel those emotions can vary. And so having a level of self-awareness mm-hmm. and understanding of, okay, when I'm stressed, I do X, Y, and Z. How can I make sure that I don't take my stress out on other people, for example? Or how can I make sure I don't numb myself using substances or, or just become a, uh, a recluse because of this? You know, I like where so, your head's yeah. at, Chad. We, you know, when, when, we, when, we, when, when, when there's a class, you know, and we say this is the class that we're going to, um, mm-hmm. you could, it's, it's tough to isolate just one subject because when we're talking about making a, some sort of case study, there's so many different aspects that you mm-hmm. can take it from. Like that, you could like look look at it from. So I I completely agree with you, and and I I like that. I like that. Sorry, I'm just trying to think about some uh, educational buzzwords for for the uh, pitch meeting. And I and I like where your head's at, and I agree with you on that one for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think yeah. awareness is is one of those things also that sort of can uh can you know what it is? Oh, I figured it out. What is it? I Jared? figured it out. What is it? So here it is. So, oh, Chad. Oh, my God. Okay, I figured it out. So, I, I, when I, when I um, was interviewing for jobs, what I heard often was the SMART technique. I believe it was SMART. What was it? Yep, yep. And it, yep, I, I don't, right. rem- I don't remember smart. what the acronym stands for, but that doesn't Specific, really matter. Specific, measurable. Action, result, um, takeaway, I ta- believe, maybe. Uh, is it something okay. like that? I don't think it's takeaway. Could, but that's the general is it idea. Time? No. No, it's not time. That doesn't make any sense. Smart. If you are right, now, we're gonna do this interview it's, technique. Now, now we're gonna do this. Right. Uh, success. Oh, jeez. This oh, is. I was wrong. No, no, you weren't wrong. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. This is about me and my educational. I only bring that Your up. Curriculum. I only bring that up to say that that is an is an interview technique that makes sure that you include every part of the question in a succinct fashion. Um, right. I'm thinking we have a school system where we have a similar acronym. I don't know what it is yet. Where we include science. All, right. all right, okay, hold on. My mind is okay. about to explode. Where we include, I'm having a Jimmy Neutron brain science, blast right now. Math awareness. All these sort of things we've talked about. All these things we've talked right. about. Science, okay. math awareness, global, some sort of global aspect, mental health. Right. Um, you know, oh, global current, is something we didn't mention, but that's events. another big oh, one. That's what I want to talk about when you talked about um, inter, uh, you talked about interpersonal. Uh, no, no, awareness was self awareness. That's okay. another thing I want to ask. That that is a great place. I, I my mind is exploding right now. That's a great place to bring in 
the global aspect when we're talking about self-awareness sure. think about tourism yeah. we've talked about so much self-awareness right. of being an american in germany for right. example self-awareness mm-hmm. of being uh, a british person in bali for example you know right um as, or an Aussie. Or, yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. <laughs> so just like this idea of self, self-awareness self in different contexts. You know, the idea right. of like, for example, I don't know, you know, in some Middle Eastern countries, men hold hands and we might find, we, we might in the U.S. be like, oh, that's a gay relationship. You know, that just might be our context in the U.S., but there's right. a different meaning of it in different global aspects. So just add sure. a global aspect yeah. to that. So maybe global in this in this acronym that we're talking about is an aspect of it. Math, science, um, you know, uh, current events, you know, there are a whole bunch of things that we could, that we've right. touched on. We have an acronym. We'll figure it out later. And then we sort of give the, we give the idea of the case study to students mm-hmm. and they make sure they somehow apply all these different aspects. And during it, obviously, the teachers will be teaching sort of broader concepts right and, and, and guiding them as and well and be like yep. oh hey little timmy uh what's your project what, what's your case study you'd be like um i don't know i don't know uh global warming oh what have you learned about how co2 affects the clouds or whatever and how are the ozone right. um listen there are kinks here clearly but this is a big big we're picture. still working this out this is a, yeah. a curriculum a concept you know and so mm-hmm. I think there's a way that we could give it some sort of cool acronym that everyone will remember and uh, then apply the current event or the idea or concept to, to, to that. Yeah, sure. That's it, Chad. That's Mic drop. That's it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Well, Jared, I think we've covered uh, what, what you know kids should be learning, what schools should be teaching in today's episode. But if there are some missing pieces or if you've got some ideas for us, let us know at untranslatablepodcast.gmail.com. Yes, please do do that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> also, check us out on Instagram and YouTube, Untranslatable Podcast. And please, five-star reviews on iTunes. Let us know how we can make this podcast better for you. So as we say here at the Untranslatable Podcast, Yakuyame, muchas gracias, shisha, and dosvidanya. Yeah.